Hello residents, my name is Mike Estefan, and I want to thank you for tuning in to this month's deep dive episode on the EM Clerkship Podcast. This month, we are going to be covering septic arthritis in children. But before we begin, just a quick word from our sponsors over at Pearson Rabbits. Pearson Rabbits is my own personal disability insurance broker, and soon to be my life insurance broker as well. Pearson Rabbits specializes in specifically helping medical professionals like you and me obtain own occupation disability insurance. They were able to help me obtain an own occupation disability insurance policy as a resident. And since I secured a policy as a resident, I was able to lock in lower rates than if I had signed a policy as an attending. And these low rates continue to persist through attendinghood. That is one major reason why you would want to pursue disability insurance as a resident. The second major reason is that disaster can unfortunately strike at any time to anyone. Nobody expects to become disabled as a young resident, but it happens, and disability insurance will help protect that financial investment that you have made into your education. Don't wait until it's too late. Check out Pearson Rabbits at www.pearsonrabbits.com and schedule a consultation appointment with Stephanie Pearson or one of her team members today. Don't forget to mention EM Clerkship if you do. And now, back to the episode. Before we dive into septic arthritis in children, let's briefly discuss the examination and testing for the limping child. Then we'll dive into septic arthritis, talking first about the workup and diagnosis, and then briefly end by talking about the causative bugs that cause septic arthritis in kids. Leg pain. This is a relatively common chief complaint in pediatric EDs. The differential here is really broad. I mentally organize the differential by traumatic causes and non-traumatic causes. Traumatic causes mostly are the stuff we all know. Fractures, dislocations, strains, sprains, and overuse injuries, such as tendonitis or Osgood-Schlatter. And don't forget about non-accidental trauma. That is the one thing you cannot miss here. There are also a lot of atraumatic causes for children presenting with leg pain or limp. These include septic arthritis, something called transient synovitis, osteomyelitis, Slipped capital femoral epiphysis, or skiffy for short, leg calve perthes disease, rheumatologic disorders like juvenile idiopathic arthritis, and lastly, you can't forget about all those bony tumors in children. Stuff like Ewing sarcoma, osteosarcoma, osteoblastoma, etc., etc. Two other factors that will really help you narrow your differential are age and the onset of the pain. The differential depends heavily on the age. For example, I would be much more thorough evaluating for non-accidental trauma in a child that is too young to effectively communicate. Something like leg calve perthes disease, also known as idiopathic avascular necrosis of the hip, doesn't occur until the child is old enough to talk, usually ages 3 to 6. Whereas stuff like Skiffy and Osgood Schlatter don't usually occur until the early teenage years. The onset of the pain is also something that you're going to have to consider. Acute onset is usually traumatic or infectious in etiology, while subacute to chronic onset is usually one of the many atraumatic causes. Let's talk about the examination quickly. 
you definitely want to be thorough here and make sure to examine the joint above and the joint below where the child is complaining of pain. I can't stress this enough. A lot of the time, the child will be complaining of knee pain when the actual pathology is in the hip. You don't want to miss this. This is exactly analogous to the child with lower abdominal pain who actually has some kind of pain from their genitals. You're going to want to assess for the usual things. So you're going to be looking for deformities. You're going to be comparing symmetry compared to the unaffected limb. You're going to look for bony tenderness versus soft tissue tenderness. You're going to look for passive and active range of motion in the presence of pain with both of those. And you're also going to be looking for rashes or erythema. Always do a neurovascular exam in the setting of trauma. You do not want to miss a pulseless foot in an ankle injury. And lastly, but perhaps most importantly, have the child walk. I usually will try to watch them walk before pain medications and after. If the child is being stubborn, sometimes a popsicle for motivation can be helpful here. As far as testing goes, plain film x-ray is usually a good place to start. Ultrasound can be helpful to look for an effusion if you're suspecting septic arthritis. And then I really only get labs if there was no history of trauma and septic arthritis is on the differential. And in that case, I would usually order a CBC, an ESR, and a CRP. The exception to this is when you're working up non-accidental trauma. And different institutions will have different protocols for this, but a lot of the time, what are called bruising labs are also indicated. And that mostly consists of coags and platelet count, basically looking for anything else that could be explaining the widespread pattern of bruising on the child that can't really talk. Okay, let's move on and talk about septic arthritis. In kids, this is most commonly found in the hip. The challenge with diagnosing septic arthritis is that there is another relatively common condition called transient synovitis that can present exactly like septic arthritis, and that is fever with leg pain and limp. Transient synovitis is considered to be a post-infectious reactive arthritis that usually occurs after some kind of viral infection elsewhere in the body. So the big question is how do we distinguish septic arthritis from transient synovitis? Well, the only way to do this for certain is to perform an arthrocentesis and send the synovial fluid for cell count, Gram's stain, and culture. However, that's an invasive test, and it usually requires sedation in kids, and we don't want to tap every kid if we don't have to. So luckily, orthopedic surgeons have the same conundrum as we do, as they are usually consulted. And in an effort to work smarter and not harder, an orthopedic surgeon named Dr. Coker studied transient synovitis and septic arthritis in children and developed a validated scoring system to help determine the likelihood of septic arthritis based on a few criteria. This has been coined the Coker criteria. So like I said earlier, the Coker criteria is specifically used to help differentiate transient synovitis from septic arthritis in the child presenting with atraumatic leg pain. It was only validated for the hip, not for other joints such as the knee or the ankle. That is important to know. There are four criteria that make up the Coker criteria. The first is the presence of the child not being able to bear weight on the leg. 
The second is an elevated temperature specifically above 38.5 degrees Celsius, which is 101.3 Fahrenheit. The third is an ESR greater than 40, and the fourth is a white blood cell count greater than 12. All of these criteria are weighted equally and all will contribute one point to the final score. Now, the original study was a retrospective study and it quoted the following numbers. Zero points gave you a 0.2% chance of having septic arthritis. One point gave you a 3% chance. Two points gave you a 40% chance. Three points gave you a 93% chance. And four points gave you a 99% chance. Now, these are the numbers that most people remember. However, a few years after the initial retrospective study, a prospective study was done in an attempt to validate the Coker criteria. This study had slightly different percentages. Most notably, the zero-point score had a 2% chance of septic arthritis, and the one-point score had a 9% chance of septic arthritis. So, what do you do clinically with this? I think practice patterns vary here, and there is no one-size-fits-all correct answer. What I personally do, if the leg pain is truly atraumatic and septic arthritis is on the differential, I think you have to check labs here. And in addition to the CBC and the ESR for the Coker criteria, I'd also check a CRP. For a score of zero points, I'm comfortable sending the child home with just strict return precautions. One point can go either way, but with the prospective study quoting a 9% chance of septic arthritis, I'm usually at least getting an ultrasound of the hip here and talking with orthopedics. Two points or higher definitely requires orthopedic involvement, who will likely pursue a joint aspiration. Now, let's say an arthrocentesis is performed. Do you know what clinches the diagnosis of septic arthritis in the ED? The magic number is 50,000 white blood cells. Transient synovitis and Lyme arthritis both usually have elevated synovial white blood cell counts, but they're usually between 10,000 and 40,000, not as high as true septic arthritis. So real quick, let's run through some of the bugs that cause septic arthritis of the hip in children. The reason I want to do this is because some of these are common questions on exams and boards and all that. In babies, specifically less than three months old, the most common cause is group B strep. In children three months to 12 years old, staph, staph aureus, is the most common bug. Now this one surprised me. In children 12 to 18 years old, gonorrhea was actually the most common organism, more common than staph. And lastly, I got one more for you because this is often tested on exams. In children with sickle cell disease, salmonella is a very common cause of osteomyelitis and septic arthritis. All right, let's summarize. There are many causes of pediatric leg pain, and it's helpful to break down the differential into traumatic and atraumatic causes. The patient's age and the onset timing of the pain are very helpful to narrow down your differential. You need to perform a detailed examination including a neurovascular examination in the setting of trauma, and do not forget to examine the other joints nearby where the patient is having pain.
Because this is a very common presentation, the kid will come in with knee pain, but it's a septic hip. X-rays are usually a good place to start the workup, and if septic arthritis remains in the differential, labs and an ultrasound to look for an effusion are helpful. Use the COCR criteria to help guide your management. Again, the four criteria are non-weight-bearing status, fever greater than 38.5 Celsius, ESR greater than 40, and white blood cell count greater than 12. Patients who score two points or higher definitely require orthopedic evaluation in my opinion, whereas patients who score zero points can usually be sent home with return precautions. If an arthrocentesis is performed, the magic number is 50,000. And don't forget the common bugs. Mostly, this is helpful for exams. Again, group B streps in neonates and young babies, gonorrhea in adolescents, salmonella in patients with sickle cell disease, and staff for the rest of the pediatric population. Thanks for tuning in. Any questions, comments, or feedback is welcome to my email, mike at emclerkship.com. Thanks again to our sponsor for the month, Pearson Rabbits, and until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.